for men in general, there is, the Holy Spirit was just kind of dealing with my heart about how we strive and how we uh, live among competing priorities and how uh, we filter those things through our life and how we um, maybe even privately, um, uh, uh, moms are very public about mom guilt, but, but dads are very private about the striving that they do. They're not, they're not terribly vocal about it. But the scripture talks to us. I want to talk to you a little bit about striving uh, because the scripture tells us there are things to strive for and, and there are things to not strive for and there are things to strive with and there are things to not strive with. And I, and I really just kind of want to settle on that with you today uh, and, and look at that. First of all, uh, the dictionary tells us that, that the definition of strive is simply to make a great effort to achieve or to obtain. It's, it's really simple. It's not a deeply spiritual uh, thing to talk about striving, but yet we do it so much. And I've discovered that we do it so much incorrectly. We strive for things that we don't need to be striving for, and we strive with things that we don't need to be striving with. And then we don't strive for things that we should be striving for, and we don't strive with things that we should be striving with. The, the Word sorts all that out for us. So I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, three areas of striving that you will strive throughout your experience as a believer. And it's so funny because um, I've, I've always said this of myself, I've been a, a terrible evangelist. And, and guys like Josh and, and Dominic and, and uh, Joey and, and all of you who, who have, have a special grace in that area will, will understand. And you'll probably look at me and go, yeah, he is a terrible evangelist. Because I have this understanding that when you come to Jesus, uh, you just made the enemy mad. And so he wants to strive with you. He wants to, he, he can't do anything about the fact that you came by faith and said yes to Jesus. He, can't, he can do nothing about that. He can't undo that for you. But he can certainly get your attention off of the things that your attention needs to be on. And from the moment that you come to Jesus, beyond there, it is the enemy's purpose to get your eyes off of the goal off of the prize, and on your circumstances. He wants your attention to not be on Jesus. So, can we understand that? So, there is, so in Scripture, we see that, that the believer will strive, listen to me, this, is, this may be something new that you haven't really considered. The believer will strive with God. If you look at the life of Jacob, the Bible says that Jacob comes into Bethel, and, and that's in uh, Genesis 32, and I can't unpack all of that for you, but Jacob comes into Bethel uh, two different times, and, and, and uh, the, the time that Jacob comes into Bethel, and he strives with God because he has been a deceiver, and he has been, uh, he, his character has not been godly character, and he has tried, he has strived in life to achieve for himself. And he inherited this tendency to deceive from his mother, and she helped him with this 
characteristic of deception. And, and uh, so he comes to this place uh, and he begins to strive with God. And God begins to say to him, begins to strive with him and to wrestle with him because God wants to pull out of him that character that is not reflective of who God is. So in this moment, he strives with God. And God strives with him. Now I've discovered that there's different points in your life in which you are going to strive with God, and God is going to strive with you. The interesting thing is the word says, I will not always strive with man. So your relationship with God is not one of striving, but yet there's these moments in time when God is about to change your character, to promote you in the kingdom, to build you up, to bring you further in him, that there may be a moment of striving. There may be a moment of wrestling with the things of God. But you know what? When you strive with him, he's actually delighted. He wants to bless you. So in the life of Jacob, in this moment of striving with God, and Jacob is saying, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. How many have ever just gone before the Lord and said, I'm not going to stop, I'm not going to stop running after you until you bless me? There's a place of striving with God. But it is, but it is always that striving sets the parameters of the relationship brings you in closer to him. When you, when you strive in that environment, as Jacob strove with God, it brought him in closer and it changed, forever changed his relationship with God. And I believe those times really, in, in, that tells us, the Bible tells us of that time with him, but I believe that there are times as God matures you that you're going to strive with God don't be upset about it move into it because he wants you to run after him so it's okay for you to say I'm not letting God I'm not letting go of this moment till you bless me and then there is this striving with the enemy and the enemy wants you to strive with him the Bible says that he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it is his purpose to get you to, he wants you to strive with him. Because if he has your, if he has your attention, then your attention is not on the promises of God, it's not on the things of God, your attention is on the circumstances of your life. I'm going to tell you, from experience, that's not where we're supposed to be striving. And then you're going to strive with yourself. The largest battle in your life, ladies and gentlemen, the largest, the largest battle in our life is the one that goes on in the soul, in, in between our ears. <laughs> and you're going to strive with you. And the way that you strive with you 
is by appropriating the word of God to your life so that you can come through that striving, so, so you can come through that struggle. You strive with yourself. The Bible says that, that, that um, in, in Romans 8 and 6, the Bible speaks about the inner man and the struggle that the inner man undertakes in his striving. The Bible tells us that the carnal mind is the enemy of God. And so he talks to us about becoming spirit-led or, or spirit-minded or, or understanding uh, life through the eyes of the Spirit of God. Your spirit bears witness with his spirit that you are sons of God. So how does the Bible tell us to, to do this? I don't want to stay on the subject of striving. I want us to talk about how to, how to address this. First of all, the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. Listen, this is the wisdom of God. What is seen is temporary. What you're looking at that is, that is chasing you around and that is frustrating your life, what, what you are looking at that is frustrating you is temporary. We, we spend so much time focused on circumstances rather than focus on the God who created us. So he says, fix your eyes uh, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And he wants to lift up your, he wants to lift up your perspective to eternal things, to things that matter. Then he says in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2, uh, the writer there says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down at the right hand of God. He finished his work so you could finish yours. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I love uh, Isaiah 50 and verse 7. He says, he says it this way. He said, the Lord will help me. How many, how many understand that, that we're not doing this on our own? The Lord will help me. The Lord will help me so I set my face like flint. That is not a, a, a terminology that, that we're accustomed to in our culture. But it is setting your face before the Lord like a stone, like nothing is going to turn my attention off of him. I set my face like flint. You aren't turning my head away from him. No matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my difficulties are, no matter what I'm coming up against, this word says, I set my face like flint. And so he said, so I will not be confounded and I will not be put to shame. I set my face like flint before him. So if my eyes are fixed on him, I'm not going to be confounded and I'm not going to be put to shame. Then he says this in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2. And I just want to talk to you about some of the things that, that will help us in this area so that we are striving in the right place. Set your affections. I want this to just kind of sink into who we are, to this moment. 
set your this some passages say affections some translations say affections some say minds uh, it's both both of those are appropriate set your minds on things above and not on things of earth this is where the enemy wants to get your attention turned in the wrong direction set your mind on things above and not on earthly things believers for you died this is this is a deeply wonderful doctrine you're dead and your life is hidden in god the apostle said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And as I rehearse these things and, and, and as these passages flow across my heart and across my mind, uh, so, so many things that uh, come to my mind. Don't resurrect a dead man. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Would you let him live through you? Let him live in you uh, and, and not resurrect you and bring, and bring you back to the table. It is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I died. Go back. Please go back one to that until I'm done here. I, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. It's interesting that he uses that passage because Christ is the anoint the anoint the anointed one and his anointing. Your life is hidden in the anointing of God. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells in you. And the life that you now live is to be the life of God. I've said it ever since the beginning of the year, and I'm going to say it again. The next, uh, the, the, the move of God that is happening in Church of Living Water right now has everything to do with the kingdom of God flowing through us and touching the lives of the people around us. And you are called to not live your life, but to live his. Boy, it will sure shake up our struggle with sorting out priorities. The life of God. No longer living into myself. No longer, no longer living into myself. No longer living for myself. Go ahead now. I'm going to just run through some things that have everything to do with where we fix our eyes. It's Proverbs 4, 7 through 9 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, I want to, this really leaped out at me as I was meditating on this passage of Scripture. Wisdom is the principal thing, and in all of your getting, get understanding. Now, I want you to understand something. The, the, the writer here did not say, just get wisdom and just get understanding. 
He wasn't condemning you. Uh, men, he was not uh, speaking a condemning word uh, about achieving or about getting or gaining. Sometimes we beat ourselves up about those competing priorities in life and about uh, uh, that, that as though there were some deeply spiritual thing about not gaining. That's not what he's saying. He said, in all of your getting, don't forget to get wisdom and get understanding. Sometimes I read passages and I think, oh my God, I wish I would have applied this differently in my life. Exalt her and she will promote you. She'll bring you honor when you embrace her. Get wisdom and get understanding. That will bring you honor. And then it's interesting to me, I, I almost felt like uh, Pastor Chris was, as he hit up on this this morning, that I was like, okay, I know that we need to, to go here in the Word and um, reinforce uh, that statement that, that Pastor Chris was exhorting us this morning. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 11 says, make every effort to enter his rest. Make every effort. If you're going to strive for something, Strive to rest in him. You can't fix you anyway. But he can. If I'm talking to you this morning and, and, and you're one of those people who have uh, woundedness relating to your relationship with Father, enter his rest. Enter his rest. There's a rest for the people of God, and there's a rest for you from striving. Make every effort to enter his rest, Hebrews 4, 11. And then Luke chapter 13, verse 24, Jesus said, if you're going to make an effort about something, make an effort to enter the straight gate. I don't know when the last time it has been years since I heard anyone talk about the fact that straight is the gate and narrow is the way. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And in comparison to all who have lived on the earth, Jesus said, few there be that find it. The gate is still straight, and the way is still narrow. And we need to plant our feet securely, securely, securely on that straight and narrow path. The Apostle Paul said it this way, he said, I'm not, I'm not beating the air like a shadow boxer. I, I'm, I've fixed my, I have set my eye on the prize and I'm not letting anything turn my eye off of it. Straight is the gate, narrows the way, and there's a few of you that will find it. Let's find it together. Now the writer says this way, just lay aside every weight every sin and every entanglement just, just lay it aside and get on that straight path 
Fix your eyes on Jesus and let him live his life through you. Make a great effort to enter the straight gate, to walk that narrow way. Proverbs 9.10 will help you with that. It says the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's another one of those things that in our in the current culture, uh, Christian culture, we don't talk about this a lot, but the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In all of your getting, get wisdom. You're going to get it through the fear of the Lord. And men, particularly, I want to just draw your attention back to this passage this morning because we struggle so much with the competing priorities of life. But he said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 34, but seek first the kingdom. Again, not with any condemnation toward the seeking of the things of life, but seek first the kingdom. And then all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first him. Seek first the things of the kingdom. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom. Matthew 5 and 6 says, that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. I want to ask you this morning, I think the Holy Spirit would just ask us at this point, as we seek first the kingdom, where, where is where is your hunger? I love the passage. I'm just meddling in my mind with, with some things in Scripture right here. But uh, Thomas said, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. I'm hungry, Lord. Would you help me hunger? I need more of you. Would you help me desire more of you? Would you help me in this seeking first the kingdom? Would you help me in seeking first the kingdom? Because they that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And young, young men, listen to me. Listen, there's this great desire. I, I want to I just point out to you another thing that I felt the Holy Spirit uh, mentioned to me in this in Matthew chapter 20. Um, I want you to just think about this for a moment. So many desire to lead and, and you should aspire to leadership but you should desire to serve. You aspire to leadership, but you desire servanthood because to be great in the kingdom is to be a servant. So many of us have gotten that backwards. This is, this is wisdom day, okay? So many of us have gotten that backwards and we've, we've desired to lead and we've desired uh, to uh, have a place of authority. We've desired to have a, a place of power and we've desired... All those things are... You aspire to those things, and you should. Aspire to the fullness of the Godhead that Bhava indwells you. Aspire to the, uh, the fact that uh, the same 
as I said earlier, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Aspire to that desire servanthood. Desire to serve someone nearby. Desire to touch someone in need. Desire to lift someone up that's cast down. Just desire to serve. All that other stuff, you know what? All that other stuff will follow that service. All of it will arise out of that servanthood. Let us be servant leaders in the kingdom. Lead first with servanthood. And then one other thing, Peter and John. And I want to challenge you with this this morning. James chapter 1 and verse 19. Be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Listen to what the Bible says. The, the, just the way God created us. Uh, somebody said this. I don't know. I wish I could remember who said it. With two eyes, with two ears. We have one mouth. Swift to hear. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. And when it says slow to wrath, I think that that's slow to respond. Slow to respond. Don't let your don't don't let your emotions do the responding. Let the spirit lead you.